Robert, we've been friends all our lives. How can he fight you? <laughs> Coward! If you are not king, you'll be dead with your stand. You'll not walk away on this! Not while I live. A challenge is made. No MacLeod could turn his back on such words. But father is kin. And you're a chieftain's son! Nay, he is also my son-husband. He and Danny make him do it. Pick it up! Or dishonor your name on all who wear it! Do you not know the difference between honor and pride? Be silent, woman! You'll not make me a cuckold. Welcome to Highlander Rewatched, <laughs> the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. And we're back after our Highlander 3 coverage, talking about season four. We're back into the series. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. Get cucked. This is Kyle. <laughs> and this is Eamon. Guys, has your relationship or just feeling about the word cuck or cuckold or any of this stuff really changed because of the Trump administration? It's I know Im- mine has. It's improved. <laughs> really? I love cucking those libs. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, man. Little special snowflakes. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sprinkle some snowflakes on my boner. <laughs> wow. Excuse me? I'm some... not sure what this analogy meant. Well, welcome back. We're into season four now, returning to the series. So this yeah. is fun. We covered Highlander 3. And mm-hmm. expect probably a, a bonus episode where we, where we read some reader mail. Yeah. We know it's not called that. Listener mail? Listener mail covering all but things Highlander 3. I think we, we discussed we it's reader mail because we are reading it. Correct. That's definitely the best. <laughs> that's that that's definitely sense. what it is. Yeah, yeah that is the most terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we're the readers in reader mail. That's, yeah. Absolutely. So, so it's not mail... <laughs> From us. I think we can prove that point right now by reading some <laughs> reader mail. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> We've got some reader mail here uh, from season three. So we didn't get to read this stuff because it came at the end of our season and then we had to record our Highlander 3 podcast. So this is some leftover business. So we have to deal with it's like a, a board meeting. We have to deal with old business, business first, first yeah. before we can move on to the have, new stuff. Have we established a quorum yet? How do we do that, Kyle? <laughs> well, let's get out Robert's rules. Okay, good. All right, read this mail. So let's do some reader mail covering uh, two classic Highlander episodes: Mortal Sins and A Reasonable Doubt. The One fir- classic Highlander episode. They're all classics at this point, right, guys? If, if, if it's just about if it's just classics. about vintage, sure. sure. <laughs> okay, so uh, our first email comes from Brian S. Uh, regarding mortal sins he says brian's 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 hey guys easily one of my all-time favorite episodes classic bad guys trope nazis i hate these guys (laughs) yeah okay good you're on the right side of history (laughs) bro (laughs) yeah uh if you meet someone who's ambivalent towards nazis you probably don't need them in your life very fine there's fine people on both sides (laughs) sides. (laughs) what about the alt-left guys what about the alt-left it was cool to bring back characters from previous seasons the french pimp george uh, with Max's reluctance <laughs> to go after Damler, I think he was getting in the mindset that if he was to become a parent with Anne, he would have to be less than a hunter and avenger of morals and writer of wrongs due to his McLeod honor system. 
Mac fighting the skinheads. There's a lot of intensity to this fight. Although, taking a sip from the one guy's water bottle, ew, agreed. I thought that was the weirdest thing. Like, rando water bottle. He just drinks it. He's thirsty. He's exerted himself. He has exerted himself. (laughs) After Lindsay gets bitch slapped uh, by Mr. Nazi and she tells Mac to kill him, Mac goes full-on Scottish warrior beast mode. That quickening is very interesting. One of the most powerful quickenings yet. Not sure if it's all the racist hate the Damler had in him or because they were very near holy ground. Or as Brian wrote, holly ground. (laughs) that's in the garden it's on christmas yeah that's an interesting i guess way to interpret it is that the quickening is different because it was like in proximity to holy ground Hmm. Hmm. what about highlander three but there was no holy ground no quickening. but there was no quickening so we'll Mm. never know we'll never know Mm. the world may never know only in the depths of our imaginations the pecking always rewatching brian all right well thank you very much brian thanks brian's brian's I'm grieving the loss of Anne. What stage of grief would you say you're in? Uh, denial. denial. Oh, so she's still in it. So yeah. you're actually really looking forward to seeing her in our discussion yeah. of this episode. Right? I'm like, she's going to come back in season four, episode one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Here Richie, are... right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch it yet. Oh, really? I'm going to watch it on my phone as we're recording. <laughs> That's a good idea. It's, it's Imagine re- if we did that. That might be... That would be insane. That would be I don't know how it is, is it just an audio commentary? That would track? just be an audio yeah. commentary. At that no, point, I, I think we should all watch it separately, like with our headphones in, but like say things live. Randomly? <laughs> I don't think that makes sense. No. But that's how we're going to do it. Okay. Yep. Let's really derail the show. Synodime. <laughs> that's right. A reminder to all, all our listeners that you can find all episodes for free on Synodime's YouTube, YouTube page. page. So, Kyle, what's the next bit of reader mail we have? This one is about reasonable doubt that classic episode that rhymes yeah so this one's from james s james james is yeah he writes guys great podcast as always but could cut down on the jick jokes delicate people like me are distressed to hear them is he (laughs) is that that a joke yeah that's a joke oh okay good no way that's not a joke just making sure. I don't know. Uh, I, that's going to be our next uh, Twitter poll. How, how many dick is jokes? Is that a joke? <laughs> is that a joke? <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, how many dick jokes do you want? More, less, or just right? Mm. It's the Goldilocks the Goldilocks of dick jokes. Um, but on a more serious note, the question of was Kagan sexually molested came up. Ooh. I'm going to say no. This is a blisteringly hot take. Ooh. Right now, so get ready for this. If Tarsus was a pedophile, then he would have turned <laughs> Kagan when Kagan was, quote, the perfect age. Oh, oh. man. That's so rough. <laughs> that is pedophiles rough. have types. <laughs> Children who are abused by hardcore pedophiles often, quote, age out and are abandoned by their molester after the predators have groomed the youths to be receptive of their advances. Damn. That's dark. It is that's, dark. This is this might be the darkest timeline. This is the <laughs> darkest email we ever received. The darkness timeline. <laughs> oh. I know. Yeah, don't want to make darkness jokes. Yeah, nope. this is not that darkest. Yeah. Nope. Darkness. <laughs> that is not to say that Kagan was not abused, both physically and psychologically. His comfort at brothels suggests that Tarsus took him to such places often as Kagan was growing up. No doubt, Tarsus also beat him to establish dominance when Kagan was still young. Such actions would create a psychological patterns that would create someone who steals, frequents brothels, and kills those who defy him. But I think this episode shows that Duncan will give someone a chance. He's not a, a precog cop. Is that a, uh, a minority, minority report? Reference. reference there right. we go tom cruise <laughs> future crimes but 
He's Max not von stupid, Sydow. and as has been said, uh, immortals don't need reasons to kill each other. Gagan was in the game. Any reason beyond that is the cherry on the Sunday. Hmm. Uh, he also drops in a little line about mortal sins. This episode and mortal sins put a lie to the notion that Duncan is a self-righteous judge and jury. He isn't, and people die as a result. I recall frequently reading back in the day that McLeod was judgy and had no right to do what he did. I always thought that how many people have to die before someone can say, hey, that thief and murderer has to go. He doesn't impose the death penalty for lesser crimes. See Amanda and Gabriel Piton, for uh-huh. examples. Piton only died after he killed, not after he stole. That's true. This episode also reflects David Abramowitz's philosophy that after a certain age, people don't change. They are who they are. A person may become a better or worse version of themselves. Kagan had plenty of time to change. He just threw away the chances. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Lieutenant John Kimball. Well, thank you very much, Jim. <laughs> That's pretty good. Jim from Detroit. From Jim's. 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 Yeah, uh, he's a he's a Highlander rewatch super fan. Yeah. He is a super fan. And those were some really good points. Those and like very points. dark points, but like interesting psychological <laughs> ideas. Dark well, points. well, we're the ones who took yeah, we're the one who took it there. So yeah, sure. you know. He's just playing in our dark playground. That's right. He's in our dojo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are good points. The one I'm curious about is, do, I do think that Matt gets a little judgy. We make that point yeah. a few times. But I think as the show gets on, it's less so. Well, because uh, that becomes a point of contention for Mac. Like, how he's judged people in the past is, like, haunts him a little bit, which is good. Right. And also, I just think as the show goes on, they just develop more complexity. So that insofar as Mac is judging someone, you've gone through the ride with him a little bit. You're experiencing the motivations that lead him to do it. That makes it feel more appropriate. Whereas in the first season, sometimes he just like holds off and kills people and you're like, whoa, hey yo. Amen, we got yeah. more reader mail. Who's yes. this gem from? This really sarcastic. It was not meant to be that way. Who said us this fucking shit? <laughs> that sounded like Dennis Miller. Who is this gem from? Hey, isn't it weird that I became less funny when I became more conservative? <laughs> That's me ragging on successful comedian and TV star Dennis Miller. I thought you meant uh, Tales from the Crypt star. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Miller. <laughs> Bordello right. of Blood. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, what's this Bordello that. about? It's Blood, babe. Hey, why isn't there a. Uh, <laughs> blood, babe. <laughs> hey, why isn't there a conservative daily show? Do you know a guy? Uh, Ooh, there was one, wasn't there? And it failed it miserably. Fail. <laughs> Quite miserably. All right. So did we read one from Brian S. already? We're, we already read one from Brian's. We're going to read the other one, too. That's right. He wrote us about Mortal Sins. He's another super fan. We have another uh, email from Brian's, and this is about Reasonable Doubt. Dear Band of Brothers, yet another great episode. Mac playing judge and executioner, but no jury. Oh, yeah. see, look at this. This is great, because now there's a conflict right here between James and Brian's. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, he's not judgy. And this one, opening line, he's very judgy. <laughs> Yet again, according to the McLeod sense of moral righteousness. But this is the Highlander's story of Duncan's evolution. One of my biggest issues is that during the final fight, with Kagan, there are people in the background. So did they just witness a man murder another man by beheading him in broad daylight? <laughs> well, they certainly at least witnessed those kicks. Yeah. Those sweet kicks. Sweet, like, maybe not the beheading, kicks. but... And witness a quickening? Tarsus, a.k.a. Bargain Basement Timothy Dalton. <laughs> he, he absolutely <laughs> yeah, is. He's so yeah. good. Child stalker as he was, is the first of several immortals that focus on their protege going up against Duncan. I like that 
when he typed protege, he has like the little accent marks over the E's. Nice. Good for, good on you. I don't know how to do that on the keyboard. Am I an idiot? You're getting ready for a Highlander computer tip here. <laughs> yeah. Highlander uh, retype. You use a Mac, correct? Yes. Hold down the key. So if oh, you want really? an E, if you hold it, it will then give you a pop-up menu with all the different, you know, like umlauts and all that sort Ooh. of stuff. So if you do it, it to it you. It won't just write E. No, it won't just write a bunch of E's. <laughs> How do, I, how do I do it on a personal computer? Do you I know that? don't know. Mm. Kyle, do you know? Uh, usually, spell check fixes it for me. Oh, actually. really? Huh. Yeah. It, like when I, when I have problems before, I knew the the hold down the button trick. I would Google it and then copy and paste the Google oh, nice. response into the word. That's document. a good little workaround, yeah. Brian. I want you to email us and tell us how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's your homework. That's your Highlander homework. Vote <laughs> Highlander homework. Thanks for the email. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thank you, as always, to these super fans. There are a few people who write us often, and we love it. Feel like I know you. Oh, that's and right. Brian and Jim, can you like argue over email, <laughs> and then we'll read that? Yeah, I want you both to reply to each other's email. Yeah, fights, and then we'll read it. Well, thanks everybody for writing in. So I think it's time Thank to you. discuss season four. Now we're hopping into episode one. I just want to say I'm like really excited to not hear. Like, I'm glad we're getting into season four. We're getting away from Highlander three, so I don't have to hear Bonnie Potmore again. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, Bonnie yeah, that's Portmore. good. Yeah, it would be oh, nice to yeah. not hear that to incessantly. Not, right? And really. it would really suck if you had to hear that five times. Yeah. And, like, so. the first time you're like, oh, this song's so pretty. And the second time you're like, oh, this song's still pretty. And then the third time you're like, again? And then, <laughs> may- and then maybe the fourth time Mac is doing Tai Chi in front of the castle and I'm just confused. And then probably the fifth time I'm like, I'm over this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, like, it would suck if that happened, right? It would, but luckily it's not going to. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the deets on this episode, guys. So, this is Season 4, Episode 1, Homeland. This first first, this first aired September 25th, 1995. Oh, I thought it aired uh, 2015 on Showtime. Am I, did I watch the wrong thing? Oh, Homeland! That's right. I get, get on my fucking level. <laughs> that has, um... Uh, uh, what's <laughs> this, this guy's is, name? This is good stuff, guys. Let's this keep it coming. Stuff. Broadway star? Yes. Oh, fuck. I know. I'm, I'm blanking on his Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, that's a Mandy Patinkin vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. So, this episode was directed by uh, Adrian Paul. Wait. <laughs> Star of Highlander? The one in the same. No, the other one. He directed it? Oh, Connor uh, McLeod. This is uh, actually Adrian Paul <laughs> Phoenix, the character from Tekken. Oh, wow. <laughs> Adrian Paul Phoenix, that's good. <laughs> he came to life from a video game to direct <laughs> one episode of Highlander. Highlander. <laughs> it's right. his best work. It is. So this is his first of four episodes he did. Whoa. Yeah, he also did Methuselah's Gift, Revelation 6-8, and The Modern Prometheus. Since uh, it's a new season, I thought we'd check in with Adrian Paul. He's not on the phone, if that's what you think's coming. <laughs> oh, I actually thought he was on the phone listening to this whole time <laughs> wanting to kill us. But. Yeah. If he was listening to all of this, <laughs> God bless him. But I was uh, looking at his IMDb page wondering, Ooh. what's AP up to now? And he has a bunch of shit in the works. I don't oh, know really? He, yeah, so five new movies wow. in the works. So he's got a movie coming out called Egil, The Last Pagan. Can you spell e- that? Ego, like the waffle? Yeah. E-G-I-L-L. I don't know how to say it. Edgel? Oh, like, like blueberry egos. Yeah. Mm. Egil. 
Eggle. Leggle my eggle. Legolas! But like, how much syrup can you get in each square? God damn it. <laughs> so it's I, a, that's how I pour it. I pour the syrup into each square. square. Like meticulously, like mm. with an eyedropper. <laughs> and if I fuck it up, I throw it out! <laughs> uh, so it's an animated movie. He plays the voice of Aaron Bjorn. I don't know. It also starts Michael Madsen, so how about that? Oh, hey, oh. Yeah. hey you know you're uh, getting some good stuff right. there. He's also Important question. Michael Madsen, good actor or bad actor? Uh, only if he's in a Quentin Tarantino role, is he good? Yeah. But he was so good in Blood Rain. <laughs> oh, we'll uh, he's also in a movie called A Beautiful Distraction as Ooh. one of the stars, Michael. It also stars Vivica A. Fox. So Ooh. That's something. Mm. He's in a movie called Inferno by Dante. Inferno and by Dante. And his character is Speaker, Eighth Circle, The Sorrows of Discord. This movie, much like the first with Michael Madsen, stars Eric Roberts. Ooh. I know, right? Star of a talking cat. That's <laughs> our favorite Eric Roberts movie. Anyway, I looked this movie up. This looks really bonkers. Bad. It's it's animated in the sense that it looks like the animation style of reboot. Ooh. Only in the background. And the actors are just it looks like they're just reading the poem. And they're standing in front of a green screen, which has got animated Inferno Devil stuff behind them. Oh, boy. Yeah. I like Reboot. Uh, he's in a movie called Snapshot as Alden Flower. Uh, and he's the star of this. And so the IMDb description is, Friends reunite for a party and hunting trip. It's the first time they've met since the hunting death of an unknown man. What? what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gregory, responsible for the accidental shooting, is crippled by guilt. But his girlfriend, Julia, is an investigative journalist, has her doubts. She begins to pick away at the web of lies while trying to keep her own secrets hidden. Ooh. Ooh. So wait, that he killed him on purpose? Is that the deal? Maybe. I don't know. Or that he's not really dead. We've got a big watch list for the next year. And finally, he's in a movie called Harmless as state prosecutor Gary Feller. (laughs) (laughs) Gary Feller? Yeah. It says, based on a true story, the 1969 abduction of an eight-year-old girl led him to his most revolting murder in the Florida... What? His most revolting murder. That's right. Led to the most revolting murder in Florida history. Detective Redman needed miracles to find her body, catch the killer, and bring him to justice. All right. Maybe maybe I'm just biased, but I'm having a very hard time picturing Adrian Paul as a prosecutor. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no possibility that she is not guilty of this pedophilic act. This pedophilic act. The most revolting pedophilia <laughs> of my career. Oh, boy. All right, guys. So Objection. This is hearsay. It does not fit under the exception in Rule 8033 for the state of mind of the declarant, Your Honor. He must be convicted because he set him on fire? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would pay to see this, guys. Yeah, well, we're, we all know we are going to pay to see it either in money or metaphorically. Yeah. So. <laughs> metaphorically pay <laughs> so we're doing this all right so let's get back into this that was our ap our ap catch up catching up with ap oh, catching up he, with the associate the press. star of uh, highlander the tv series that's right do you know oh. he's also a director of that what he directed four episodes <laughs> which one no, i thought that was adrian paul phoenix <laughs> <laughs> all right so this episode was written by david 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 tynan uh the last uh we saw from him was both finales part one and two of last season so he Little hat trick going here. Yeah, that's right. So the guest stars in this episode were Matthew Walker is Ian McLeod, and he's Duncan's father. And we saw him in Family Tree. So it's cool that they were able to get the same actor to play his dad. And he was on Nightman. (laughs) And Dayman. Dayman. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's the Dayman's theme. This episode also guest stars Karsten Norgard. 
as Camel. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy, that name. Karsten Norgaard. Yeah. His name is just Swedish McSwedson. Yeah. But, uh, he was also the coach in Mighty Ducks D2. D2. That's oh, right. Oh, yeah. And he was Coach he Wolf. Was. So this guy's got like what? A, a wolf thing He's going got on. a whole, yeah, he does have yeah. a whole wolf thing going. He was also in the Ken Gord produced Sweating Bullets. Ooh. So I guess there's that, there's our connection there. Uh, this episode also guest stars Scott McNeil as Robert McLeod. This dude is Wolverine. This is the guy that probably did the voiceover work in The Zone. Oh, yeah. Remember, we were like, this guy sounds like Wolverine, but it's like uncredited. In which season was he, which series was he Wolverine? In a ton. Like, he's the classic Wolverine. He's also Piccolo. He is Piccolo? Yeah. Okay, yeah, damn straight. This guy's like, IMDb is like a mile long. He was also Duo Maxwell on Gundam Wing. Yes, he was. Yeah. He's like I've an been, anime legend, Robert yeah. McCloud. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nuts uh, that I've been listening to this man's voice for years of my life yeah like literally years yeah like since you first heard the the term special beam cannon yeah over nine thousand no i don't know if that's, he's the over nine thousand oh no that's, no is oh he didn't do vegeta pick no up. that's napa napa or no that's vegeta. the cabbage no that's vegeta, vegeta who says it mm-hmm. the and then cabbage. napa says i don't know what? Any of this thousand. <laughs> well napa is named after the cabbage really mm-hmm. yeah well like there's tons of food named things in that's why vegeta Vegetable. He's That's vegetable. Why yeah. is Vegeta? That's not a joke. Yep. There are characters named Kale. And mm-hmm. this is a show and, you guys watch. And yeah. Kava <laughs> for cabbage. This this realization of Keith. Wow. You watch this show? Very good. All right, guys. Let's do the IMDb episode description. Yeah. Someone is robbing graves and sacrificing men in Duncan McLeod's homeland of Glenfinnan. In flashback to 1618, Duncan is in love with Deborah Campbell, but she is pledged to his cousin Robert. Robert challenges Duncan and is killed. Years later, newly immortal Duncan fights immortal Canwolf to avenge his father. In modern day, Duncan brings back a bracelet he buried with Deborah. Buried with Deborah. That makes it sound like they went together to bury a bracelet. <laughs> uh, he discovers the local priest is really Canwolf or Canewolf. I don't know. Who threatens to keep Ken Wolf? Because they say it like oh, fifty just... times in the episode. This is not a term. <laughs> this is not a term that you haven't heard. Wendy, relax. <laughs> Whatever. Can Cane Wolf? Who threatens? Just screwed it up again. It's like like Cane Sugar. Is this the guy from Highlander Three? Cane Wolf. Yeah, yeah Cane Wolf. <laughs> anyway, Can Wolf, who threatens to keep killing locals until Duncan returns his axe. The whole time it was your little grave robber who couldn't do the robbing, <laughs> <laughs> and my axe. Can I axe you a question? Sure. Do you have a follow-up for that? Or nope. Is that to- <laughs> nope. You should, have, you should have thought more than one step ahead on this one. I know. We're all playing chess here, Eamon. That was a checkers play. I all was right. hoisted by my own petard. All right, guys. Let's hop into this episode. Is this our first cold open? It is. Our first the, teaser. The, which, wow. also, what an improvement these cold opens are. I, yeah. I like I, having I, Cold opens are great. It's so it, much better. And it makes like the theme song even like more punchy. When like, it comes in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, so good. We, do we need to explain what a cold open is? Because we've used... I guess it's a term of art like 10 times now sure it's basically like the show starts with stuff happening i don't know how to put it into words it's not like You're the theme the song s- right yeah away. you like jump it's into just... some a- some bit of action right and... you join like in media res right, usually right. and then that happens before the credits right like the, the office then. classically did cold opens if that's something most people are familiar mm. with like there was always right. kind of like a prank or some goofy thing at the beginning mm-hmm. that sometimes was unconnected to the episode but it was just the thing to kind of get you in the mood and then the theme comes on or like the classic csi Right. Kind of thing where like CSI Miami where he'll make a pun and then put on his glasses and right. you get Yeah 
So in Highlander, these t- tend to be the like catalyst of action, like whatever the action is going to be, which is fun. So let's talk about this cold open. What's happening? We are in Glen Finnan, and there are grave robbers plying their trade. There's a crow, crow flying around, or a raven. Yeah. So you see that reminded hooded- me instantly of like I was like, this is very Twin Peaksy. Yeah. You see a hood, and then you see a hooded man and his pet crow. <laughs> like- <laughs> so how many times do they say these grave robbers' names? Like fifty. And the one dude, it's like, come here. Kevin? Kevin? It's a Kevin. Because yeah. like, it's like this like shrouded man, and it's yeah. like, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. It's like, what is I've, this? I've got more plans for you, Kevin. The amount, it, it, like, it feels like they killed Kevin. Like, like, also, spoiler alert, Kevin, not meeting a good fate. No. And there's some good grave puns here. Oh, you've made a grave mistake. <laughs> this Jeff. killed me. So the one guy is stabbed, and the other guy, he's like, I've got plans for you, Kevin, or whatever. Or is it Kevin that dies, or Brian? Mm. Maybe Brian was his original name. That's another thing. In the script, I want to. I'm 90% sure that his original name was Brian, and they were like, "No, it's a Kevin." Like, <laughs> they saw the actor and were like, "You're, You're Kevin. Kevin, man." Brian so, gets killed, and Kevin is taken away. Yeah, uh, okay, that's what it is. Uh, also, Brian so and they, Kevin. Brian so and they, Kevin. They, they have a, a dialogue where it's clear they're looking for something for this guy, and they're like, "Well, how do you know it was here?" It's because like, he said there was a battle here, and they're like looking for something. At which point, they get into a dispute with the hooded man over what they're going to do with whatever despoiled treasure they find. And then this stab is really awkward. So for some reason, the way the stab looks, it almost looks like the sword doesn't go into him. Yeah. It kind of just like he pushes him with the tip and then, <laughs> and then he dies. I was like, wait, did he stab him? Like- <laughs> it was, or did he just shove him over? <laughs> it, was, it looks odd. The, the cold open ends with them kind of painfully slowly dragging the body off frame. Yeah. And then like, the camera l- stays still and they just drag, drag the body it. off, which is funny. Yeah, it was kind of funny. It was like, this is a weirdly light moment for, <laughs> it was. for this homicide. And there's and the, like off-camera dialogue, which I always think is weird. It sounds like they just like wedged it in. So that's our cold open. And then we hop into opening credits. And these are new opening credits. Yeah, it's gotten... Should we talk about what this says? It gives you the background on who Duncan McLeod is, which is good. Yeah. So it talks about him being like a lover, a warrior. I love when he cocks his gun. It's like... Yeah, it's like, like it's, it's got this clip great from echo. Revolutionary when he's like in his Mexican revolutionary garb. It's and awesome. Like he cocks the rifle. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, but then it also explains who the Watchers are. So this does a good job of like explaining kind of what this okay, show. You is. You know what? It is more different than I gave it. Yeah, absolutely. For. So okay. I'll just read it. it. Says, and it's done by Joe. He says he is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander, born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. And he is still alive. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do it in the voice, Eamon? Yes, he does. Sure. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander, born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. For 400 years, he's been a warrior, a lover, a wanderer, constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death. The winner takes his enemy's head, and with it, his power. I'm a watcher, part of the secret society of men and women who observe and record, but never interfere. Not true. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. There you go. Awesome. Nice. like dates scrolling <laughs> on the screen. Right. Yeah. I think it's cool that he says, may it be Duncan MacLeod. Like, he's like rooting for him or whatever. But he's interfering. All the time. Constantly. Do you like this more than the other one? I like 
season three more. Than really? This. Really? Why is that? I think this one's like corny. I feel like the other one is like less goofy. This think, seems a little goofy to me. Is it the dialogue or the way, like the images and the whole thing? I, I think it's the dialogue. Yeah. The thing I like about it, I might agree with you in the context of like you're someone who knows the series well and knows everything about it. Clearly, this opening sequence is set up to do work. Highlander has a lot of rules for TV in this era. Like, you're going to be very lost, and it needs to do a lot, and they need to tell you a lot about Duncan McLeod in this opening. And I think it does okay at that, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it. So I, I give this points over the older one. Yeah. And there's like new clips in it that are nice. Yeah, which is cool. The new clips are cool. Like one from this episode where he gets mm-hmm. his like first quickening and the camera like swings, swings around him, which is like that's I think a good shot. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's got like I think some good romance to it. Like he's been a warrior. Not his a first lover. quickening, his first buzz. I'm sorry, first buzz. First buzz. Baby's first buzz. Baby's uh, first buzz. And then the credits, the only there's only three people listed in the credits yeah. as of now, which is Adrian Paul, Jim Burns, and Stan Kirsch. So we have no like ancillary characters like a Charlie or an Anne. Or a Maurice. Or a Maurice. That's Maurice. right. So. My first buzz was when I watched Toy Story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So the opening of this episode is in Paris. We're in an art gallery. And I think this whole scene is kind of funny. So Mac is I there. like seeing the side of Mac. Because the whole time we were sitting there, like when he's in like the Samuel Waterman shop in Reasonable Doubt, we're like, who the fuck is this version of Mac? Like we yeah. never like see him assessing the validity of paintings <laughs> or whatever. Vicitudes. Yeah, which like in reasonable doubt, it like made sense that he did it, but we like never saw that side of the character. Like now we're getting to see a, a more complete view of Mac. Like he's sometimes he's on the clock. He's got to make that wine money. That yeah, wine money. If he's gonna drink ten thousand dollars of wine in a single dinner, he's got to get out there and hustle, baby. That's right. That Lafitte. That Lafitte. Lafitte. Quentin Tarantino. Um, <laughs> he like he he's a little a little prankster. In this, like Loki from the Avengers. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. So he's bidding this guy Bailey. And this actor's been in like a bajillion things. Yeah. We didn't read his like IMDb list, but. I couldn't understand anything they were fucking saying. Wow. Like the French guy's accent, I couldn't understand what he was saying. I couldn't like make out the names of the artist. Maru. Maru. I, I, I gotta say, I, I had. You tomorrow. Whatever. I couldn't understand. I may have misheard Kitagawa Yunamaru. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah. I couldn't understand. I was like, what are they saying? What? But it's a Japanese woodblock prank. Right. Exactly. So Mac gets this guy to keep raising his bid, and then Mac fucking bails right at the end. This guy didn't want it anyway, or whatever. It's like, you're good. But he gets this guy from going from like, what, 15,000 15, francs up to yeah. 30. Yeah. But so, that comes to bite him in the ass. Yes, it does. So this whole dialogue is funny. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I'm sitting there the whole time like trying to construct, like, what is the beef between these guys? Are they rival artifact and painting hunters? Then no. I'm just picturing, like, Mac is Indiana Jones, and this guy's that fucking Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the guy who works with the Nazis. I don't know if that archaeologist is a Nazi. but Right. He's a very fine person. <laughs> Oh, so I had a little bit of little bit of a problem with the math of this bidding. So the math of the bidding, because it's like a woodblock print, which right. at first I was confused. I was like, wait, why is it so cheap if this guy is like actually noteworthy? It's because it's a print, not like a... Right. But that being said, initially he's like, oh, it's a fake. It's a very... It's a copy, but it's a very good copy, blah, blah, blah. And Mac, the thing that he does to blow it up, is says like, no, 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 it's authentic. And he points out... The like mark. The whatever. mark that... Right. So you know it's authentic. At which point, thinking it was a fake, the price was 15,000 francs. Establishing that it was real 
only raised the price by 30%. Yeah. And I was <laughs> very confused by that. I was I, like, wait. Yeah. You know what? I noticed that too, that like the price doesn't go up that much. <laughs> yeah. Versus like. That's a little 20,000 maybe is more fair. Yeah. It's like, that's the only price increase for like two seconds ago, you were talking about a forgery. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're talking about the real deal and that's the only increase. Also, did anyone else look up exchange rates? No. No, I didn't do it, surprisingly. I, I can't believe you didn't do it, but. I'm a little disappointed by you, but hey, whatever. I'm <laughs> passing the torch. You can do all this stupid Passing shit. the torch. <laughs> yeah. So in 1995, the exchange rate was 5.358 French francs to U.S. dollars. Okay. Per U.S. dollar. So he's only effectively paying one-fifth of whatever price is thrown out here, which I thought was more significant in the when we're talking about the bracelet later, because I was like, how is this thing worth so much more than the yeah. than this painting? Because after the painting is taken away, Mac sees uh, a silver Celtic bracelet. Right. Yeah. So Mac like, is like, whoa. whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this Celtic bracelet there, and Mac instantly is like, where did this come from? And he starts bidding on it right away. But it comes to bite him in the ass that he, like, trolled that guy. So this guy starts trying to outbid him. And so Mac ends up going up to, what, 100,000 francs. This guy's way committed to this. Also, Mac, he jumps from 50,000 to 100,000. And it's yeah. like, Mac, you just blew a lot of money on that. He's got money to burn, I guess, right? Apparently. Yeah. So, Yo, I wish I had Mac money. Mac money. Yeah. By my count, the 100,000 franc- francs he paid for it is $18,663.68. Damn. Wow, roughly. Is what he ends up paying for this bracelet. That Though, is insane. Part of what Mac wants to do is like interrogate this guy because he very clearly seems to think it's stolen or something yeah. like that. And is like he really gets in this guy's face. Mm-hmm. He like grabs him by the lapel and like has him up against the wall. And it's like if you were going to accuse this guy of stealing, why'd you do it after you paid for it? Right. Yeah. Like, I wish you just bought fuck- stolen property. Yeah, he did. I wish he fucked this guy up. Yeah, so Mac does really rough this guy up a little yeah. bit. And, but it's still, like, a little funny, I guess. Right? I yeah. don't know. So Mac said, finds out... What's uh, funny about it? I don't know. It's, well, like, maybe I'm wrong. just a the, funny I think French the, guy. The bidding... <laughs> it's just because he's French. Yeah, I think it's only because he's French. I think the bidding scene is funny. Yeah. Because, like, Mac is, like, pissed and urgent. And, like, the other guy's just, like, laughing at him. He's like, hmm. <laughs> So he gets some bulk shipment from England. Like, this guy's not entirely clear where this comes from. Not not cool art dealer. But Mac knows where it's from. Maybe this guy's a piece of shit art dealer anyway. Like, he was originally selling a forgery. Then he's got this other stolen thing. This guy's no waterman. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely no waterman. <laughs> all right, so we fade now to Scotland. And so this was actually all filmed at the end of season three. They took a small camera crew to Scotland to film all this stuff with mm. AP. AP, back in Scotland. And so then we get Bonnie Portmore. Yay. Yay. I still like this song. You guys you know, it's, re- very, it's very beautiful. Yeah, I this like fir- it. This first time they play it, I, w- I was yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, so this is a new recording. This isn't the same recording we heard in Highlander 3. This was a- an arrangement done by Roger Bellon and sung by Laura Creamer. Amen, just in case our audience doesn't know. Could you uh, perform a little of this for them so they, they know what we're talking about? I don't know the words. <laughs> very good. It's a very pretty song. Mac has his sword like wrapped in like a canvas yeah. cloth or something. And just like slung on his backpack. Also, at this point in my notes, I just started trying to write different backpack Mac puns. <laughs> he's Mac packing. He's back macking. <laughs> he's a Mac packer. At some point, I just went, he's Mac macking. <laughs> Mac macking. That's my favorite one. <laughs> Anyway, I think this is cool, and he goes and first visits the grave of his parents. And I'm like, I'm into this. I'm like, 
they're in Scotland. The show's Highlander. Like, this is the first time we've actually really... Well, I guess there's been a flashback in, what, season there one? There have been some FBs. Yeah, some FBs. Yeah. I don't know anything about Scottish, like, burials or grave sites. Is this plausible <laughs> that their graves would still be there in this, like, preserved state? I don't sure. know. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Mm. There's tons of old graves. About. So a woman approaches and her Out name... of nowhere. Where did she come from? <laughs> Is there a car? Yeah, I was like, where... what the fuck? <laughs> and she's also, like, wearing, like... She looks like she's wearing, like, like a... office wear. Yeah, she's, <laughs> like... she's wearing, like, a skirt suit. Well, yeah. I think that's because she's going to a funeral. She's going right? to a funeral. So I think yeah. she's on her way to the funeral. Is she walking? I think I so. I guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. I was like, where the fuck did she come from? Because <laughs> yeah, it seems so remote, and then she just emerges. <laughs> also, this is about her in general on this episode. She is really abrasive. Yeah. <laughs> she abrasive. She's like ramps to 10 yeah. Yeah. I'm right like, away. Yo, could you back off a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> she is very abrasive. But she's like, who are you? You're standing on my ancestors' uh, graves, dude. Right. And so Matt gets excited that her name is McLeod. And he's like, oh, I'm Duncan McLeod. And she's like not having any of that. And she's like, oh, you're just like some tourist that's like trying to reclaim your Highland roots. Like, I don't buy into this bullshit. Like, you're not authentic. Like, yeah, uh, she's she's a hipster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I guess, I was into it, the Scottish Highlands before yeah. they were cool. <laughs> right. But I guess yeah, she's like, I, I burn my own peat. <laughs> I burn my own peat. Uh, the yeah. peat. She had 10 years of Ameri- American schooling. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> because, like her, you're trying to justify your accent. <laughs> your right. shitty Scottish accent. <laughs> did we say her name's Rachel McLeod? Yes. Uh, okay. She asks what it is he's doing here. And Mac, as if to make himself as suspicious as possible, clenches his butthole and says <laughs> that's private <laughs> like yeah, you could have said, said literally anything. anything i'm just i wanted to see the countryside yeah yeah and that's it instead he's like that's private don't ask me any more questions i plead the fifth yeah <laughs> well it's like she's really like combative and like accusatory and he's like as suspicious as he can possibly Absolutely. be so this is not a good combination yeah and she's like we're burying one of our own and we don't need outsiders around here right which is like wait, yay xenophobia yay <laughs> and also she runs an inn yeah like, get a new line of business yeah no <laughs> I, don't, I really would not like it if travelers came through here because i am inherently distrustful of all of them let me Maybe buy a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should just go work in a customs office. Actually, I was thinking about being a tour guide at Ellis Island. So we then cut to this church grave plot thing, and Canwolf, we later find his name, is this priest. Uh, he's the guy we saw in the hood earlier, and Rachel... Pete, talk- you really shouldn't call it the hood. The hood. <laughs> it's just like... Anyway, go on. So Rachel's like, oh, I hate outsiders or whatever, but I don't know. Canwolf speaks with an American accent, right? Yeah. Is he and trying like, to do a Scottish accent? I don't know. I don't think so. I think sometimes he is. <laughs> and it's just really bad. Weird. But maybe not. Maybe not. But she hates outsiders so much, except the priest seems to definitely be an outsider. Which is kind of yeah. weird. Which also, it would kind of make sense if he had a bad Scottish accent, because he's not actually Scottish. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like really not a failure of the actor. Right, right. Like, and then we get the old Dutch angle mm. on Canwolf to show he's got a skewed perspective. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he looks sca- at things a little differently. <laughs> All right, so then we cut to Mac hiking, and he walks by... Oh, hang on. What's a Dutch angle, guys? We gotta explain this shit. Well, he's literally a Dutch angle, right? Isn't he, like, Dutch or something, this actor? He's, like, Swedish. Swedish. Swedish Swedish angle. Yeah, Swedish angle. Dutch angles go to the right, Swedish angles go to the left. (laughs) Oh, that explains it. So it's like when the the camera's, like, at a skewed angle, and it was popularized in Batman 1966. That's right. So Mac is hiking more, and he walks by this woman carrying groceries, and he's like, hi, or whatever uh but she's like con- 
connected to the Highlander universe. She, I believe, is like the head of the fan club, I want to say. Oh, wow. Or the Scottish branch of the fan club, which is kind of cool. The woman he walks by carrying the groceries. So that's like why she's in the shot. That's Because she lived around there and they had her come in. Oh, wow. She lived around there? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have a question about this. So he walks into the inn. Right. And who is working at the inn? But Rachel McCloud. I'm like, what's the timeline on this? It must be a lot later, right? What was Mac doing? He was walking the whole time. Around. He Just walked 30 miles around. to get yeah. there. It's a cold day. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was also a very fast funeral. Yeah, I guess the funeral was really fast in the Grand Highlander tradition. <laughs> so she's in, like, also when Mac walks into the pub, like, everybody, it's like a record, record scratch. scratch. Like, <laughs> everyone gets quiet and just stares at him. My note says, quote, Mac gets a Scottish record scratch. <laughs> Yeah, that bagpipe stops playing. Yeah, yeah she's like, oh, what, what, I can make you some haggis, and you, or you do you want to kill? And he's like, just an ale. So they're not too friendly. And then Joe pops out. Yeah, Hey-o. He's like, hey, buddy, uh, everything you do is my concern. He's a Scottish shit fanatic. Yeah. Joe is his, doing his most effective watching ever. Ever. ever yeah, he gets there point. before Mac. Like, he yeah. really tracked this shit down. Hey, I'm your watcher. Which all I could think of was, hey. I'm your Chidich. No, Chidich, no yeah. one. I don't know what that's that is. a Worf Star Trek reference. Yeah, uh, he becomes his combination combat partner slash lawyer. Lawyer is Chidich. <laughs> it's weird that I I know that word in Klingon for some like that sticks out to me. Well, they say it like ten times I in the episode, and the episode ends with Picard doing one of my favorite lines ever <laughs> of "Hey, I'm your Chidich." <laughs> I like this those and Chong movies. Oh. <laughs> okay, Chidich Marin. <laughs> yeah, so on the wall is a Scottish Claymore, and Max stares at it, and we get I, a flashback. I love this transition, and I love that he's like, he's there, he's talking with Joe. Joe's spouting some shit, and right. Max just zones out and like starts moving towards the sword. And then the cut is kind of through the sword. Right? Yeah. And this is like, the, they use this kind of transition two times in the episode i think mm-hmm. or maybe more they like cut through an axe later like they use an object to kind of push yeah. through and so like the actual flashback image appears on the blade of the sword and then you zoom into it it's yeah. cool it's cool uh so we flash back to glenfin in 1618 and max walking with his uh father and they're talking about the campbells which is like a mm-hmm. rival clan and then we see uh-huh. debbie <laughs> and debbie is De- like... debbie becomes a debbie downer later yeah. but debbie, yeah, literally <laughs> <laughs> She's like wiping her boobs. Yeah, she's, she's literally just yeah. cleaning yeah. off her boobs. <laughs> and Max's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, he actually makes a wolf sound and his yeah. head turns ow, into a ow, train ow, whistle. Ow. Rolls out. <laughs> yeah. And he has to roll it back up with a prank. <laughs> so Mac knows this lady. Well, they're in love. They're in love. And his dad's like, go get him, Tiger. Right. Yeah. And so I guess they want to get married. However,. Mac, I guess, talked to her father. She's a Campbell. And her father has already, I guess, promised her to Mac's cousin, Robert. Mm. So it's not going to happen. And Mac is here to deliver the bad news in his young Mac voice. That's young right. Young Mac. This is like Mac before his balls dropped or something. I don't <laughs> yeah. understand. He's like, oh, hello. But I love you for all of my days. Yeah. He's like, and he has like kind of like sweet puppy dog eyes. Yeah, like he, yeah, like there's a look say. about him that he, is very innocent. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. Good on Don't Adrian you, for like really making a difference in his acting, I think. Important question though. Do your vocal cords really change if you're immortal? I think they do. I think you become a uh, gruffer. Okay, okay. So his vocal cords are not locked in place at the time when he turned. Yeah, I guess not. Right? Like I totally buy that people's voices change over time, but is his voice changing over these 400 years or whatever? 
No. I think it's still the same voice. I just think it's like a level of confidence the way he speaks is just different. No, it is like an octave lower. He's like, oh, hello, hello, I'm, I'm Duncan McLeod. And I was like, there's a possibility. He's like, oh. <laughs> well, this sounds like, it sounds like he's, his voice is like the product of like 50 years of hard living and some brandy. Like, that is a change. So he, we, we skipped the part where Mac give, says we can't be together. Oh, She's yeah. freaking out about it. And he gives her the silver bracelet. That's, That's right. right. So then we cut a little later and find out that Robert is a piece of shit. And yeah. He's like a real abusive so he boyfriend. So like he sees the bracelet on her and she's he's like, you have to give this back. You're not going to wear something another man gave you. Right. This basically boils down to her saying, I'll marry you, but I'll never love you. And I'll always be thinking of Duncan McLeod when we have sex. Yeah. yeah which is Wow. And then he's like screaming. He pushes her down. He's like, you'll share my bed and bear my children and like shoves her to the ground. It's no good. Yeah, it is real bad. And then he's like going to slap her. And who steps in but Dunko? Dunko. Dunko. <laughs> Dunko grabs I was, his, I was, his. I was, I was trying that out. I, uh, I like it. Okay, we're liking it. Dunko grabs Dunko his hands before he slaps her. And he's like, I'm not going to let you hit her. And then Robert fucking throws it down. And it's like, all right, I what, challenge you to a duel. What right? does he say, Keith? He's like, you will not make me a cuckold. Yeah. <laughs> Get cucked libs. Uh, I'm not getting cucked. Yeah. You're the cuck. Yes. No puppet. So Mac does not want to fight him because he's like, this is not worth it. We've been friends for years. You're my kinsman. But he's like, nope. And his dad like pressures Mac to like. Yeah, Mac's walking, actively walking away. And he's like, he's you're like, a chieftain's son. Like, you will. No McLeod can here. turn his back after such words right. or some shit. Yeah. So then there's some, like, this is the clip at the top of the episode. And the father has the sword. Right. So. Mac's mother comes over, and she has a very different opinion. And this is a really great point she brings up. Like, what's the difference between honor and pride? Like, which one are you trying to, you know, serve here? Which I think is pretty interesting. And so she does not think Mac should fight as well. His right. mom is great. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's a level-headed lady. Yeah, this is one of, I guess, two big interactions we see with her. And both times we're like, good on you. And Ian is like, be silent woman. woman so there's yeah. a lot of like... Great stuff happening. Yeah, good good treatment of women in this flashback. Yeah. Guys, I just want my country back. <laughs> uh, so Mac gets peer pressured by his dad into fighting his, his cousin. cousin. Right. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So Mac ends up, well, they knock over like a fence with some sheep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this fight. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And it's like full of emotion. Like they really are very upset. And Robert, after, I guess it's after the sheep dive, manages to like cut Mac's arm. And Mac's like, okay. Like, that's a lot it. Of you can traditional duels were to like to first blood or something like that. So it's like, but that's not enough. Robert no. is. Robert's a fucking dickhead. dickhead. Why are they friends? (laughs) Well, he's got, like, anger problems. That's why he's Wolverine. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Uh, So Mac ends up stabbing Robert, and then Robert dies. and Dies in his arms, and Mac does not take it well. Mac's father's basically like, you had to do that. I raised you to be the leader of this clan, and you have to do shit you won't like. So then we flash forward back to the present in the bar, and Max looking at the sword, his father's sword on the wall, and talking about how this was like supposed to be his sword. Uh, and he's like, it just never happened because of obvious things. Mac got banished and all that shit. Right. So then Mac goes over to like get a room. And he just puts the brace like on the counter. Right. That's my biggest note was just like, why did you put this very valuable thing just on the counter in a public space? Yeah. Why did you even have occasion to take it out of your bag? Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, like, what is it, just jiggling around in his pocket yeah. with the keys? Like, what if it fell out when he was like 
walking down a hill. It's so odd. Rachel sees this and instantly becomes suspicious. Like, where did you... you get this? <laughs> and so she says he's no better than the grave robbers. Because again, and she has a great line. I think about like you can't buy your roots or whatever. Right. She mentions the oh, grave she mentions robbing. The grave robbing. And, and then it's like she's grave robbing. Boo grabs her by the hands. Like whoa. Yeah. You know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I guess. Yeah, but that's right. This is... You have to tell me about the grave robbing. <laughs> Be the opposite of silent one. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, so uh, I got my report card and I want to put it up on the refrigerator. What what can I do that with? God, I'm I'm sorry. Well, Anna. first, how how was your report card? All this F's. Semester. All F's. Oh, the yeah. why do you want it on the refrigerator? As a as a stern reminder that I need to up my game. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, unfortunately, I don't have any magnets, so we can publicly display your shame. Oh, oh man, man, I don't either. But I bet there's probably an easy way to get them. There is. That reminds me of the Highlander magnets that we made. Oh, those. How could I have forgotten? I don't know. Well, how can we order these magnets? We can order them on Facebook or on our Etsy store. And there are five magnets featuring four characters from Highlander, two Duncans, a Mythos, a Joe, and an Amanda. That's right. A double dose of Duncan. A double, double D. Double D. And they are currently on sale for the low, low price of $15 for all five. That's like three bucks a magnet. That's bonkers. It is bonkers. That is bonkers. And either. they're pretty strong. Like, how many of your report cards do you think they could hold? Uh, like four. Four? four? I think so you like, do more than four. Or yeah, five. probably more than five. Yeah, five. More, I think yeah. five's good. So you can see all so many all Fs. All my Fs. Five <laughs> report cards worth of Fs? That's a <laughs> fuck ton. So if you want to see a fuck ton of my Fs, you better order me some of these Highlander maps. That's right. And order one for yourself. So head on over to our Etsy or Facebook store today to pick yours up and support the Highlander Rewatch podcast. Back to the show. All right, so then we cut to the forest at night, and we see the return of Kevin, and he's, like, splayed. The, the, the great return of Kevin. He's, like, almost naked, right? Yeah. He's got pants on. But he's, like, but strung you get up to between see that these pasty two trees. Scottish chest. Yeah. <laughs> and so then the hooded figure, Canwolf, splays him open and sacrifices him, right? And he talks about Odin. He says he believes in Odin. It was a little confusing. He keeps on saying, like, my god. He doesn't, like, pluralize it. And I was like, does he only believe in Odin? As it comes to find out later, he believes in other gods, too. Yeah. But for some reason, he keeps on using the singular god during this part. Yeah. Not really sure why. Interesting. It's weird. Then the next day, back at the pub, all the pub goers are talking about Kevin's murder, I guess. Kevin McSwain's murder. That's Some right. kooky old guy is like... He's crazy old Maurice. Yeah. yeah. But he's talking that it, this is like, this is Canwolf. This is what's going on here. It's like he wants to have a good old-fashioned like witch hunt. Yeah, and Joe gets to be the voice of the audience for some ex- exposition. Who is Canwolf? Right. Did, Did I, I miss something? something? <laughs> <laughs> the old man says at one point they had to have a closed casket funeral because of how brutally Kevin was killed because they didn't want to scare off the tourists. And Rachel's like, fuck the tourists. I don't care. And <laughs> It'll again, put me out of business. Yeah. Again, to Kyle's point, you run an inn. <laughs> like, come on, man. So, so we also find out 
that part of this legend is that a McLeod will come back from the dead to defeat him, which I think is cool. Yeah, that there was like a Viking raider who was destroying everything and that a, a McLeod rose from the dead to defeat him. So somebody makes a joke to that effect and this old man is not having it. He gets real pissed. Tell that to Kevin. So then we cut to the church and Canwolf is there with Rachel and he's asking if there's like any more death records on file because I guess he's worried with all the grave robbing that they're like losing track of mm-hmm. people, but he's not really. He's looking to rob more graves. The scheme becomes clear. And so the idea is, I guess, that he's, well, he's looking for his axe, what we later find out. And I guess he thinks it's buried in one of these graves, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but then she mentions McLeod's like, sniffing around or whatever and he's like well let's not call the police because i think he wants to see who this is that's right and also he probably just doesn't want more cops around while he's trying to rob all these graves exactly right so then we get a crazy bit of dialogue i (laughs) love this i laughed out loud tell us what happens kyle so he's you know again playing this priest and he sees her out i think it goes from being like just a focus on him to being like a full focus shot so now you see in full view like the crucifix behind him and he just goes Eh, what are you looking at? Yeah. <laughs> it's a myth. I was just like, this is good. <laughs> I I don't know. I thought that was funny. You it guys was, don't seem to think that was funny. That was a little cheesy. <laughs> I don't like this guy's performance. Neither did David Abramowitz on the DVD commentary. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, yeah, this, uh, he's like, this is a great episode. He's like, I just don't think this the actor, like the casting was wrong. He's like, he didn't pop or anything. I was like, man, like I'm surprised you're bragging on the actor. Wow. I agree he didn't pop. Yeah. He didn't detract, like he didn't necessarily detract, but he could have been. Oh, yeah. This is I like- think that's the weakest part of the episode. Yeah. The villain. But now we get some horsey riding. So we cut later <laughs> to like a castle. Joe's there. Mac rides up on a horse. We get to hear all about Joe's Heine. That's right. He uses the word hiney, doesn't he? I didn't drag my hiney up here so you can ride a horse or whatever the fuck he said. And uh, there are like, they talk about this in the special features, like there are flies like flying all over the place. Yeah. The, so these shots were all filmed on this like mountain in Vancouver, this big yeah. hill, and it was in the summer. And you can see there's like these little gnats everywhere it looked really awful yeah yeah. so we get a flashback mac is basically saying he won't marry debbie because Mm -hmm. he has robert's blood on his hands yeah that sullied the whole thing but deborah debbie has like a breakdown this is like no good so she runs off and she throws down the bracelet and she goes to her special place her special place that she used to go to as a kid and she's like on this ledge and i think there's a pretty good line here where i guess well she's threatening to jump if mac doesn't marry her Right. Nothing says true romance, like threatened <laughs> like suicide. hostage taking. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, that's really, that's really what lifelong relationships are made of, yeah. right? Yeah. Mac then promises to marry her. And I like this, this line. He's like, I can live with the ghost of Robert, but I can't live with yours. Spoiler, Duncan. Get ready to, get ready to do <laughs> yeah. some hard living. Also, I had a, this is one of the stupid things I noticed. There's like a shot of pebbles falling down. I was like, is that a shot from Bless the Child? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah. in my notes, somehow there's a typo. There, this has to be a typo. It says, there is a sick shot of some pebbles falling <laughs> Sick pebbles. I don't know what that was supposed Who's to say. Who's this a sick shot? A sick shot? Yeah, this is a sick shot. Yeah, real sick. It's yeah, this is a totally sick, like, just camera pointing down yeah. shot. Nice job, AP. Sick shot, bro. Yeah. Sick shot. 
Nice ass pebbles. <laughs> uh, so she's approaching. Max going to get her off this ledge, and the ground gives out, and she fucking falls off the cliff right. and dies. Yeah, this was ridiculous. The bracelet falls here, and this is a cool transition, which took forever to film. Yeah. So the bracelet drops to the ground, and then Mac is picking up the bracelet in the present, which is cool. But they had to film this like a bajillion times. Then Don Payanessa filmed it again, like behind the studio with some like fishing wire because it didn't look dramatic enough. And then they had another crew like by the third episode they were filming still did some reshoots on this stupid bracelet to get this transition to look right because it never looked quite right i guess so there's composites of three different shoots to make this shot work that's funny so the church rules her death a suicide even though it isn't really yeah like what do they just not believe mac i guess not so he buried her in an unmarked grave right which which is is why he's like wandering around or not unmarked but it can't be in a cemetery or like any consecrated ground and he says all the landmarks have changed because it's been like 400 years so he can't he doesn't know where it really is anymore so he's got a hunt which is like kind of interesting yeah and there's some good footage of him like galloping around no i like this it's got like they had a helicopter shot which is pretty cool it's funny, like, I think now we can take for granted those sort of, like, aerial shots because everyone films with drones now, and it's, like, it's so easy for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, even YouTubers are using drones to get, like, cool aerial footage. Mm. But, like, back in the day, you had to, like, mount that shit on a helicopter, and, like, it was a big deal to yeah. get aerial shots. Like, it was expensive. It's cool when shows like this do it. Yeah. Yeah. And they look great. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's some very good yeah. footage here. There is. Yeah. And then we get some cool, well, some cool, we get Bonnie Portmore again. Some cool Bonnie, Bonnie Portmore. Portmore. <laughs> <laughs> it's Coolio Portmore. Yeah. Coolio, whoa. Mm, mm. I would love to hear his but version. this was an insane thing to shoot. I don't know if anybody saw the DVD features mm. on this. Well, they, they kept on getting rain in the, um, in the camera. Right? right. So the very first time they, they shot it, they filmed it three times with this helicopter. Then they got the footage back and they were like, we think we got water in the camera. <laughs> so then they tried it again. Oh, and also the first time they didn't have the right lenses when they even got to Scotland, right? right? So they couldn't shoot all the stuff they wanted to. Then they were missing costumes. They left them at the hotel by accident. So they couldn't film some other stuff they wanted to. They were just trying to do some like kind of B-roll of Mac hiking around and stuff. Then the horse, I guess, got scared on the second time or whatever and threw Mac, threw Adrian Paul, and he like slid down a muddy hill or whatever and they had to hike all the way back up it was apparently awful to shoot all this stuff well you can see the result of a lot of hard work i guess so rachel is following mac on his quest to find this and mac finds what he's looking for he finds deborah's burial site and so he starts digging around yeah and when he's done he ends up running into rachel and she's like your hands are dirty like what is this about fortunately we got we get treated to a few seconds of shots of that woman we just saw doing the same things we just saw her do when he's at the grave it's like oh in case you forgot this is why i'm here yeah (laughs) oh you mean that thing you did five minutes ago i'm good thanks (laughs) so mac lies he's like oh i fell off my horse or whatever anyway so she's even more suspicious now so we cut back to the pub and mac and joe are upstairs and joe's like why why aren't you packing up yet like aren't we done kind of awkward like it looks like a security camera shot of the two of them i guess they didn't have room yeah it's probably a small room so mac is gonna stay he says right because he's concerned about this grave robbing thing now and he's like i gotta protect my people and joe is like these aren't your people or whatever like you don't need to do this i don't get why joe is so like anti-max staying here yeah when he's like on vacation yeah (laughs) joe here and later is like very against mac getting involved in any conflict you know what i mean which is all he does all the time and all joe asks him to do all the time he's like yeah we got this guy in the zone you want to go yeah (laughs) want to go fuck him up (laughs) 
Yeah, let's go fuck this guy up in the zone. Oh, this is important to you? Yeah. <laughs> Your ratings don't matter. Yeah. yeah. It's an unbalanced friendship here. Yeah. Also, Joe's interfering. <laughs> As usual. Again, yeah. yeah. It's like, come on, man. So then there's a knock on the door, and the Popo's here with one, Rachel. One Po yeah. is here. I thought there were two. There's two. I, I think there are two. I think oh, one yeah. has no lines. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but, man, Rachel really has a chip on her shoulder. I hate her. <laughs> She's very unpleasant. She's the worst. Just like needlessly unpleasant. Yeah. She fucking calls the cops on Mac. And Joe's like, I had nothing to do with it. This Joe, ain't my room. Yeah, Joe yeah, throws she, Mac yeah. under the bus right, right away. away. He's like, nope. He, he, can't nope. Even see, he can't even see the bus, and he throws him under it. Yeah, Mac, but, he's like, I didn't do it. In case there's a, <laughs> in case there's a bus coming, yeah. get down on the ground, Mac. Yeah. So they find Mac's sword. Right. And she's like, ha ha. She's like, I was thrown. It's about murder. Right. <laughs> so now they think Max the one that killed poor old Kevin. Yeah. Still no scabbard. Yeah. They pull out his sword, and it's just still wrapped in the cloth. Yeah, I think you'd have a travel scabbard, right? Yeah. A, a travel scabbard. <laughs> well, I'm sure they make professional, like, sword-carrying cases also. Professional yeah, yeah. sword-carrying yeah, cases? Yeah, it's actually just some cheesecloth, Eamon. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd looked into this, you'd know that. Cheese. All right, so now we get a cut, and we cut to the grave. Eamon, what's going on here? The priest is there, too, for some reason, and well, Rachel's there with the cops. Because he wants to see if they find something. Right. And he's just stuff. like, oh, there should be a, a, a priest on church, church on hand yeah. before right. dealing with Especially because this is an unmarked grave, so it's not in the record, so this yeah. is like good pick. Yeah, good for him. They're like digging around in there, and they find the bracelet, and she's like, oh, he put it here. He didn't take it out. He put it back. So then she's like, feels shitty as she should, even though Mac was being really suspicious. <laughs> um, she's like, oh, he has great clan loyalty that he would come all the way back here and replace this bracelet. So right. she's like regretting her disgraceful actions. Yeah. And she like knows the story. Like she's, I guess, maybe like even the town historian or something like that. Like she knows the whole thing with Debbie Campbell and how she committed suicide, this and that. And she kind of fills Kane Wolf in on the legend right. that a McLeod will come back. So Kane Wolf, under the guise of being impressed with Mac, is like, you should invite him to come to the church because I'm gotta. i busy. I got to pray, so I can't come to the pub. But invite him back to my place. I'd like to meet this guy. Which is interesting. And I guess this all just blows over? Like Mac's not under arrest or anything? Yeah, we get back to the I pub and Mac see. is just free? He's playing, free darts. playing darts with yeah. Joe. So I guess like... I guess they didn't arrest him for murder. Yeah, I don't understand. But they also, are Rachel... testing his sword. Yeah. How is they, that not enough to hold him? They're sending it to Edinburgh, like, uh, presumably to a crime lab or something. Yeah. But he's free to wander around. <laughs> yeah, this is insane. This doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Especially with the timeline. Like, if they had just set this a little later, but I guess they don't want Mac to have the sword. That's the big thing. Right. Yes, which I'm fine with mechanically. Oh, yeah. But totally. it's just odd. As soon like, as they were like, I won't get the sword back in two days, I'm like, yeah, he's going to use that yes, other sword. sword. Uh, yes. yeah, I didn't say that. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you two are smarter than me. Because <laughs> I didn't yes. think that was going to happen <laughs> at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Joe's informing Mac about Canwolf and these, like, splayed open bodies he's like yeah the blood eagle that's like his trademark like maybe it is can wolf so then we get this crazy swipe to like a flashback and this is stylistically different mm -hmm. i'm different yeah i'm different so this is almost like mumble mouth noir stuff but without I... the mumbling yeah what's up there is a lot of voiceover work 
related to these flashbacks and it's so unnecessary it yeah. pulls me out of it so much yeah and we've talked about this before that it's like voiceovers are like kind of the hallmark of something shitty yeah i, like, I don't like voiceovers of, of like shit movies most of the is time. like yeah. voiceovers of like but it's so unnecessary because all you needed was like one line from max setting the scene before you cut back and right. instead he's kind of narrating things we're fucking seeing and it's just Throughout this entire flashback, which is otherwise stands on its own two feet perfectly well and is very good. Yeah. And I don't know why he doesn't let it do it. Yeah, anyway, it's yeah. weird. So Mac is returning home because he's heard his father is dying. There was an attack on the village. By Canwolf, right? Yeah. So he meets this guy like outside his father's house. And I like this exchange. Like That guy's freaked out that Mac is here. He's like, aren't you dead or whatever it is. He's like, you're a g- 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 ghost. Right. Uh, don't they all look cleaner? than they did in the in the first episode maybe (laughs) like i feel like they all look more like washed like in that first episode flashback like duncan looks a lot more like feral and like we've been banished yeah i feel like everybody does maybe it's just my imagination maybe but it also has that sepia tone on it. Yeah, that that's true. Family tree it's like whatever. dirt tone. Dirt yeah. tone. Dirt tone. Uh, but yeah, I like the line, like, the, the, the villagers, like, yeah, like, Canwolf attacked. And Max, like, that's a legend. And the guy's like, so are you. Like, you're not supposed to be here either, uh, which is pretty good. So anyway, Mac goes into the house, and I guess his father's dying there. And he gets to see his mom again. And she's super happy to see him, which is nice of her, too. And she's like, claim the sword. Take it. You, re- you lead this clan. Like, he doesn't want to do it. He's, like, respecting the banishment. Right. Yeah. Respect the power of banishment. Because <laughs> yeah. power banishment is an illu- life, bro. Yeah, because yeah. power is an illusion. But so he takes the sword and is like and he announces by the voiceover as if it wasn't about to be goddamn obvious. And I took the sword to avenge my father. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh really? Thank you for te- thank you for letting us know what we're about to see in five seconds. Yeah. And he comes across all these Nordic goons. Well, also, like, they show him riding away, and the music here is, like, rock. Yeah. And I was like, I don't uh-huh. like this. I, I yeah. don't like... I mean, I'm glad it's not Bonnie Portmore again. But... Yeah, but I, I just find, like, stylistically, it's like, I don't want to hear modern music back then. Like, I think that's good that the show separates its musical themes or whatever. It's mm. weird. So I left to avenge my father in search of Canwolf. So, yeah, Eamon, he comes across these goons tell us about it he fucking kills the shit out of all these goons one goon it's only one goon or one goon with a giant sword yep i kind of wish he killed them all (laughs) like and there was like a big fight right but the shot of mac standing like above them like looking down is awesome like he's got all this mist and shit around Mm -hmm. him he looks pretty cool cool. yeah all these goons look like super freaky good casting on these goons yeah so he houses one of them but they all think he's a ghost as well like they know the legend of mcleod they they run away peace out but Mac gets the buzz. And this is his first buzz. That's and right. It's awesome. Baby's first buzz. It's great. And this is where that revolving shot from the yeah. opening is. And then they ruin a perfectly good moment again with this voiceover. It was my first time. I didn't even know what it was. It's like, <laughs> really? Because you're about to have a di- you're about to have an exchange in the flashback with the guy where he's like, You don't even know what you are. So like we knew that. Yeah. We already knew. You're not giving us more information. And when they come out of the flashback, they hang a lantern on that, too. Like, I didn't take his head because yeah. I wasn't immortal. They explain it three times. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like a gag in legal writing, and it's super irritating because it's not good writing for the Earth, where it's like, when you're doing legal writing, you're like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I just told you. Right. And that's like 
a format and it's really frustrating and they yeah. do that here and it drives me insane because <laughs> it's like you know i can accept that in a legal brief not, right. in, not in my highlander, highlander. TV yeah. show. <laughs> all right so then they go at it and this yeah. is fun so ken wolf is fighting with an axe he looks cool also ken wolf looks yeah. awesome in this costume and he's like super dirty in this yeah. and he fights like a turtle <laughs> yes yeah. yeah he's got a shield <laughs> on his back, back. Which apparently is a traditional. Efron yes. McAsh was talking about like how they would wear the shield on their back to deflect blows. It wasn't like having a sword in one hand and a shield in the other, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that they got cool. to display like more traditional Viking fighting, which is neat. Yeah, yeah this, it's great. This it's, is and this awesome. fight's awesome. It is yeah. awesome. This is a great fight. And mm-hmm. Mac with this two-handed claymore thing is awesome. Like everything about this is fun. And yeah, he does a really good job swinging that thing around because it looks extremely heavy. Yeah. So Mac ends up, well, he's getting beaten most of the time, but then, like, Mac kind of trips over a little bit, falls backwards, and is able to get a stab into this guy's, like, side or back. Which kind of mirrors how he beats Robert, that, like, he's kind of, like, frantically dodging to the side and then, like, digs his sword yeah. into, like, the midriff mm-hmm. as he's dodging away. Like, it's a kind of like a desperate flail yeah. in both instances. Canwell falls to the ground, then Mac, like, stabs the shit out of him yeah. uh, with, like, a big downward thrust, mm-hmm. and that's it. So he takes his axe and gets out of there Goes because away. he does not know what the game is or anything like right. that. So. Yeah, he's no reason to want to take his head. Right. And then he gives this fun line about, like, I took the axe because, like, I don't know if there's a Valhalla, but if there is, like, I wanted him to enter it weaponless. Yeah, or, which is know? cool. Yeah. Right. So then we cut back to the present, and this is another one of those transitions, like, through a weapon. So it's the axe head that we dissolve to. Yeah. The axe head and Max head in the axe head. There we go. A lot of head action. Yeah. Axe. He's also drinking. He's, he's also action. <laughs> he's also drinking a beer with a nice frothy head. That's yeah. Right. Why is he still at this inn? <laughs> yeah, I would not want to come back. There I wouldn't want to, to the woman who turned the, yes. you in to the well, police. They're cool now. She the, likes him now. I assume that she like called the police to unreport him. Oh, you think so? I assume yeah. she like informed other people that he was not responsible. So for the grave she was ride. just at the grave where they found out. Oh, no, the police are there, too, I think, right? Yeah, the police yeah. are there. So what, did they just make a phone call to the jail and, I don't know, let them out? It's well, so they're strange. probably still going to test the sword. Right. Well, I think that's yeah. like they already sent it out. They'll test the sword to give them, like, final clearance to yeah. go. But, like, they're, at this point, they're just dotting their I's and crossing their I T's. Guess so. You probably didn't do it. So Rachel also, comes he in. probably has an alibi for all the times when these murders were committed. They right. probably know what time he entered the country, which was probably before Brian and or Kevin was killed. So, right. like, upon doing their diligence, they, it's probably very obvious that yeah. Mac is not the killer. Right. Yeah, so Rachel now comes in. And sees Mac and she apologizes. And Mac decides he's going to suit up for battle in a denim tuxedo. His Canadian tuxedo. He's like, oh, I got to go as the Mac. Right. So Mac goes off to meet Canwolf in the church. So we cut to the church. Mac gets a buzz instantly and it's Father Laird. I kept forgetting what his name was. Father Laird is Canwolf. Father Laird. And it's funny, Kyle mentioned that he dressed like a turtle. The creators of Ninja Turtles. Eastman and, and Laird. Laird. That's right. Hey, oh, so there we go. That's our, Ninja, that's our Ninja Turtle <laughs> reference for the episode. Yeah. Uh, so we find out how Canwolf came to be in this town, and I guess it's like at some point he got a clue, a raging clue. Oh, there was a pin, I think, like his Nordic pin or something turned up somewhere. And it was stolen by grave robbers from Scotland. And he was like, right. oh, that's where my axe must be still. And he kills a priest before he gets to the town. Right. There's like, like a new priest coming to town and he takes him out and takes his place. Yeah. So that's how he's 
finagled this whole situation. He believes that his missing axe was used by Thor and Loki. Forged by them. Yeah. Forged by No, them. no. He says, it says an axe, he says an axe made by the gods, used by Loki oh. and Thor themselves. So he thinks wow. that this is like some godsend axe. Why did they both use the same axe? Well, I assume not at the same time. They, <laughs> it's like a four-handed yeah. operation. <laughs> Did they do, like, tradesies? I guess. I'm going to assume that Loki stole it and then sent it to Earth. There we go. Yeah. Little, little trickster. Ooh, that guy. He's going to keep killing people until he finds his axe. Right. Yeah, like, and he believes that by performing these rituals, he's, like, getting insight from Odin that will help him find it. Right. And he's like, you can't still believe this stuff. I feel like that's a weird stance for Mac to take because they're like magical beings yeah well his response his retort is good which yeah. is just like as much as they believe in their pale christ yeah yeah i was like this, oh, this shots like, fired this that it's a pretty heavy concept that this shows like, like it goes by pretty quickly, quickly but yeah. like that's a big argument which is interesting i think yeah i don't know yeah. if we should get into it but well like i will just say this that it's like i don't know so much <laughs> of be- like be- like belief is in some ways cultural and like what you're grown up believing and it is interesting that by having these immortals you have people who are living in a time when these polytheistic mythologies are firmly entrenched and then living all the way through the period where the opposite becomes true right where like the their faith is dead and replaced by something new right and while there would always be like a few people kind of living in the margins of those transitions you wouldn't have anyone living from a hundred percent of one going to a hundred percent of the other and I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it is. Because, like, to him, it's as natural as breathing to believe right. these things. It's like he would have had to have a dramatic conversion to change his mind about mm-hmm. it. Right. We cut back to Joe and Mac's room, and Joe's like, I can't believe all this crazy shit. <laughs> but Mac is like, I'm going to give him his axe back to, like, end this. So he says he buried it in his father's grave. So this whole thing has been about not grave robbing and now mac Mac goes in grave robbing yeah (laughs) it's like i'm gonna go rob a grave i've got to solve this grave robbing problem with more grave he just is leaving the inn with a shovel and rachel's like wait where are you going he's like at this point she now believes he's a ghost so (laughs) it all it all works out which why does she believe that great question but She's on board. And Joe is still like, well, you should just leave. Yeah, like, why doesn't he want him to fight this guy? He's murdered a bunch of people. Yeah, he this guy. Yeah. In the most horrifying and brutal fashion possible. Yes. Did anyone look this up? No. No. They reference it several times, something called the Blood, Blood Eagle. Eagle. I will just read you the description of what this thing is. Apparently, it is in part so brutal that they question whether or not it was ever actually done or if it just exists in literary references. And there's like a historical debate about whether they actually did this. The Blood Eagle is a ritualized method of execution detailed in late skaldic poetry. According to two instances mentioned in the sagas, the victim, in both cases a member of the royal family, was placed prone, the ribs severed from the spine with a sharp tool, and the lungs pulled pulled through the opening to create a pair of wings. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's yeah. That's why it's an eagle is because you rip the lungs out and splay them into the pattern of a bird. Wow. Like it's horrifying. And again, there is very scant evidence that this was ever actually performed, but it's presented in like poetry as a ritualistic execution. Wow. And it's like, yeah, absolutely kill this fucking guy. He's yeah. like horrifyingly maiming people. Yeah. And as Mac points out, he killed my father. 
Yeah, this guy is absolutely worse than the bad guy in the zone. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, a million times worse. This guy is like wants I mean, Mac to take care of because he gets business. In the Trump there's... era, the drug dealers may get <laughs> the death penalty, or at least oh, he's in right. favor of it. So, oh, I mean, this guy gets stuff done. That's why he's Can Wolf and not Can't Wolf. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> not Canaan Wolf. Canaan uh, Wolf. I think it's interesting that Mac talking to Joey's like, there's just some stuff like you can't walk away from Mm -hmm. this. I think interestingly kind of mirrors the scene in the flashback where he wants to walk away from Robert and like reluctantly fights. This is kind of the opposite scenario. And I think it's dealing with this. Like there's a difference between honor and pride Mm -hmm. and Mac is defending his homeland and protecting people here. So this is the right thing to do. Don't Um, walk out, walk up. So then Mac goes downstairs to get this sword (laughs) with a shovel, (laughs) with a shovel and is uh, stopped by Rachel. Who's Um, in like, her lingerie and like wrapped in a sheet or something yeah uh but she's talking about how like some legends are true and this and that like you are coming back from the dead and it's weird that we're talking about this right after highlander 3 because i'm like is this episode a better version of highlander 3 yes maybe yeah (laughs) like it's dealing with a lot of the same themes like that Mac is a legend. Rachel finds out that, like, this legend is actually true. He has to go home to Scotland yeah, for like, reasons related to swords. Yeah, yes. it's, and, like, the plot. <laughs> like, yeah. This is a better version of Highlander 3. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if it was legitimately influenced by that at all. He's facing, like, an ancient enemy that he's faced before. Yeah. It's very similar to Highlander 3 and definitely better. Yep. <laughs> wow. So we cut to the forest. This is the showdown. Oh, and Mac takes his father's sword off right. the wall all right so mac is there looking like a boss with like a torch this is pretty cool but well, uh, i thought it was just because of his uh canadian tuxedo he's looking like a boss yeah. <laughs> that's right maybe you just object to anyone wearing denim on denim getting the description looks like a boss <laughs> the uh, boss so max got his boss axe. baby boss baby <laughs> oscar nominated boss baby was it yeah for like what a, there were only like three movies nominated for best animated feature and boss baby was oh, one of them God. i think they were like slim pickens i don't know jeez oh, and Yikes. so ice loves coco one ice <laughs> loves coco <laughs> <laughs> all right very good so max throws his axe down yeah. oh sorry Rose hold on sorry him and he, he catches it right uh because cam wolf is like well you can run along now he's like i have my axe back and mac right. is like well you have it back but it's another thing to keep it which i think is kind of cool yeah so then max throws this torch down and this this is like awesome. Ring of fire around them, which is pretty cool. How did Max set this up? <laughs> he must have been there way ahead of time. Yeah. He's like, I got to get this perfect. He had to right. like create a whole like fire stop so as to not burn down the highlands. Right. Then they start their fight. This guy's a dirty fighter, literally. He throws some dirt in Max's eyes. Yeah. He's fighting with his axe and a sword. Right. I guess his sword that he killed Brian with. Yes. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, it adds a lot of like speed to it because this guy's mm. like at- able to attack like two times the speed that Mac can with two weapons, which is neat. So anyway, then we get this crazy like slow-mo charge at each other and max this is strange they don't have like a mac decapitating can wolf moment they show him chop the head of his axe off which i guess is like a symbolic like that's right. how they chose to film the decapitation is like show the axe head get chopped off so i was there we surprised go. that his head was chopped off yeah i was also just yeah, like oh he's done they're gonna they're gonna talk now and right. Max yeah. gonna be like you killed my father there could be only one right and i was like oh, oh he's dead Okay. Yeah, no, I, mean, I like the, yeah. the symbolic nature of he destroys his weapon, like this thing that he thought was like his ticket into like the warriors afterlife, and he like destroys it, and like right. I don't know, there's good stuff here, but yeah, I was but still, it is confusing. Like, wait, was he dead? And like, it takes a second for you to like catch up to what the narrative's doing. It's, you know what else is confusing? 
the quickening that's about so to, let's way, talk about this quickening so we get some highlander three style body floating up into the air right but also floating up to just kind of cut the shot in half yeah. so like yeah. mac is standing there but like only part of him is visible because can wolf's ghost body is floating yeah. like bisecting the shot for some reason yeah it's weird and then there's the moon a fake moon fake, fake, yeah i think like, is the size of like False Just moon. False, yeah. like, fake moon. Mars. It's so big. <laughs> fake news. Fake moon. Fake moon. <laughs> like, part of me likes this, and part of me thinks it is bad. <laughs> I, I kind of thought this was bad. Like, the animation of the lightning is pretty good and the fire well it's new out. animation on the lightning like this is we've not seen this sort of animation before like they yeah. clearly have like different software or something yeah. like it looks crisper it's not like mm-hmm. a fuzzy lightning it, it looks yeah. this looks computer generated this time as opposed to maybe animated in yeah. some way i don't know it's different i like that but yeah the body floating and the big fake moon that was weird yeah it's distracting ken gord talks on the special features about like this was a hotly contested quickening because yeah. i guess the first they wanted to do stuff in the forest like we'll have all these trees fall but that's like way too expensive to set up trees and knock them over so they came up with this idea like how can we make this interesting and so they put this giant moon and i guess it seemed like 50 percent of the people including the fans like hated this and they were like this is awful and they would always like make jokes about it like you want this to be a moon shot or something <laughs> uh which i thought was pretty funny so mac wins yay and the raven flies away yes his pet's gone uh so then we cut back to the pub for the denouement rachel is there and she's like i knew you'd come back mac returns the sword and then we're outside with joe wrapping things up and they're at the highlander like the scottish highlander monument and joe's joking around like he's like oh you think they had you in mind when they put that up ha 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 and max like probably not and then no it's yeah. over <laughs> so yeah, no i don't on. think so so kyle you do not like the denouement of this episode tell us why well because there's like three he like comes back he puts the sword back and he has an interaction with rachel then he has a very short kind of duplicative interaction with joe and then we get more bonnie portmore and like these weird aerial shots of like the castle and mcleod doing tai chi in front of it yeah i'm just like why did we do this three times i think the dialogue with rachel is actually where this episode ends for some reason they felt the need to have like two sentences of extra dialogue with joe fine end it there and then this extra thing it's like oh i'm leaving but first (laughs) let me go do some tai chi on a mountain right i think they had this footage and they just wanted to use it that's a thousand percent what it was yeah because like when him and joe are talking about that monument like that's actually in scotland like only a little bit of this episode's actually filmed in scotland right so So, yeah i think they just wanted to use it to use it yeah yeah it's just irritating i was just like lose it baby it's just like i felt like i was watching the end of lord of the rings Rings. (laughs) yeah it's like this is the end of the return of the king where you've got like eight endings in a row that was pretty funny i wonder if peter jackson was like trolling the audience because I, that was when like, you make a three and a half hour movie with five endings. Yeah. yeah, I kept on like, okay, I can get it. Uh, I no, really I have, have to pee to, now. Oh, I did have to pee at the end of the Return of the King. I had to pee so bad, but I just stayed. So, guys, before we wrap up this episode, I thought we'd play a little game. Game time. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, since we just came off the heels of Highlander 3, I thought it'd be fun to revisit that movie and do a little Highlander trivia. Of course, it'll be Highlander 3 trivia. Of course, it'll be fun because it's been a little while since we've all seen it. Oh, boy. This game was, I'm not going to lie, intended to go at the end of our Highlander 3 episode. And, uh... 
Yeah, we kind of ran out of time slash steam. <laughs> Energy, yeah. Yep. We were at 1% our internal cell phone batteries. So, guys, we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to ask each of you a question. We'll go as quick as we can. The name of the game is Guess the Right Answer, I guess. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Those are the rules. What is Wait, how, what are the rules? <laughs> what if I guess the wrong answer? You won't get points. Oh, <laughs> oh. And this isn't golf rules, right? No. Like, that's bad? All right, we'll start with you, Kyle. Ready? Yes. What is the name of Alex's... There's a typo. What is the name of Alex's house? I'll go back. What is the name of Alex's horse? <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. You said it, and I didn't even know the horse's name was knowable. Tarsius. That's right, because uh. we made a we talked about how it was like Tarsus. Right. Eamon, what kind of sword does Mac use? <laughs> oh, is this one of those games? I forgot I did it. That's a right. katana? That's correct. Eamon gets one point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kyle, what is the name of the medical examiner? Uh Oswald Cobblepot. I'm sorry. It is Howard. Eamon, who yes, plays Kane? <laughs> Mario Van Peebles. Very good. Wow. Nailing it. Crushing it. Cursing it. Why Kyle, am I doing I, so well on this game? I, I totally forgot I did this. I thought this was <laughs> How a did you forget? Because this was a month ago, and I forgot I made this game. Kyle, who sent the facts in the lab? <laughs> uh, uh, decapitation enthusiast? No, different facts. That's a facts... In, earlier in the game. There's multiple faxes in Highlander <laughs> 3. This fax was sent by Bruce. Uh, Ooh, it's a Batman? Is it Bruce huh? Campbell? Yes. Eamon, yeah, what is the name of the mountain where the cave is? Which cave? Yeah, there's which there's cave? only one cave. The man cave? Max man cave? The back cave? The cave in the movie. Nigiri. No, no stolen Mountaineering. <laughs> oh, Mountaineering. Shit. <laughs> Nigiri. Kyle gets Nigiri. Isn't, isn't that like a form of raw fish? Maybe. Yeah. It is. I was hungry. Wow. <laughs> Nicely done. I'm on the board, baby. The board. Kyle, what is the number of the flight John arrives in on? <laughs> uh, two, four, six, so one. You got a five-digit flight number? <laughs> Three digits. Nine, 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 for cool. some reason. Yeah. Nine, nine, nine. Nine oh, Marrakesh. I call it my nine, nine, nine plan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eamon, who plays Nakano? Mako. That's right. I, I was getting a little I worried for you. <laughs> scared, too. Kyle, Mako. 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 Kyle, what plane does Mac arrive back on? Uh, 555. It's Northwest Airline 49. Why is that a two-digit flight number? Yeah. Weird. Why they not make it 69? Nah, up top. <laughs> and finally, it's, no, Eamon. It's, the, it's 77, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gay version. Nice. <laughs> Eamon, who sent Alex the facts with the newspaper clipping? Oh, shit. A hard one at the end here. No, he did do is it. it Charlie? Ooh, it's Tommy. Oh, Tommy. So Tommy and Bruce oh. are the faxers. Tommy and Bruce. <laughs> are we at the end? Yeah, that's the end of the game. So oh, did I not win? <laughs> Kyle, I'm sorry you lost that round. That Better... seems stacked. Am I, was I imagining that? Nope. I randomized <laughs> all the questions. I randomized the questions. <laughs> Using like a random number generator? You know what? Next time, I'm going to randomize the answers and see if it goes better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just picking answers out of a hat just here. read a list. <laughs> I'm sorry. It says that the kind of sword Duncan uses is Mako. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the answer is butterscotch. <laughs> Well, guys, fun times. Let's talk about what we thought of this episode. I think this is like a good episode, but it could have been a great episode. I'm saying it right now. This episode should be a five, and it isn't. There are some odd things that get in the way of what could be, with relatively minor changes, Yeah, the best episode of the series so far. Right. Absolutely. 
like it's so rich with the themes that are developed like all these weapon themes of like becoming a hero becoming a legend like the storytelling element finally getting to see max like the aftermath of max banishment like this is all right. like war building and yeah great stuff this is so strong and it's got bonnie portmore which i think adds like a very cinematic grand sure to it so here's my rough recut three less instances of bonnie portmore okay <laughs> a less confusing quickening less voiceovers dial rachel down from like a 10 to like a four yeah i wish we got to just see like a different side of her too like she just always seems like angry she goes she turns on a fucking dime she goes from being like fuck you asshole you're a murderer and a grave robber to be like no you're an avenging spirit of justice right <laughs> and i'm like excuse me yeah. like let's let's all pump the brakes here grave she, robber to like mythical force ghost creature <laughs> yeah like and she has no reason to even know anything supernatural is going on ever unless she just always believed crazy old maurice telling the story about yeah and she was like dismissive about that that's true story when he was yelling about it yeah but now all of a sudden it's like oh he was giving a bracelet back surely he is ghost right. um, so but i don't know i think even just like with some minor changes like a lot of this episode like really comes together quickly i think i don't know this yeah. has got the some of the strongest bones it's been drinking its milk baby because yeah. it's got some strong bones yeah recast the bad guy yes yeah the, Which, the villain is by far the weakest part of this episode except for the line to jesus and his speech to mac like his performance is awkward and i don't buy it and i think he sounds adr'd like his entire performance sounds dubbed hmm. oh i didn't get that impression maybe it would have been a little wouldn't have been as flat <laughs> if it was also just like great symbolism like good historical context the costuming is fantastic it's like full of emotion i don't know this like delivers on so many so many levels. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention this when we talked about his pet raven. I'm mm -hmm. going to guess it was either Hugin or Moonin, who are Odin's pet ravens. Oh, Their cool. names mean thought or memory. And according to Norse mythology, he had these pet ravens that would fly all over the world and give him information. That's like cool. they were his emissaries in the world. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, like that's just, awesome. Just like cool little subtle stuff I, all throughout this episode. I was curious. Coming off of season three, like, I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen this, been a while. obviously. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if season four has the same sort of narrative arc that season three does with Callus, that there's like an overarching villain. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I don't know if they didn't want to do that again. Like, I don't want to just repeat the last season where we have like a villain for the whole episode. We'll do something different. But like, I feel like this guy, again, recast, is a great villain for Mac. Like, a great, there's great motivation behind this guy. Like, this guy killed his dad. Right. And I've got to avenge that. And, like, again, like you said, this guy's got cool shit, like the crow stuff. Like, there's a lot of neat stuff built into this. And so, I don't know, maybe I'd like to see this guy get more screen time. And Yeah, that would have been cool, like, if he was the bad guy the whole time and, like, Max going through Seacouver and he sees a crow or a crow is, like, watching him the whole time. Yeah. And, like, that would have been cool. Right. Or if just Mac blows this guy's cover and so he's got to bail on Glenn Finnan and not be yeah. the priest anymore. And then, you know, we got to find him later. Yeah, and I love just the reveal at the end that they both have these, like, personally important weapons from their past and, like, the fight with them at the end. And, like, I don't know. That is great. Like, that is, like, fucking sign me up. Baby. The Ring of Fire was awesome. The Ring of Fire is cool. 
Did you yeah. fall into it? I, I fell one. down, down, down. Oh, uh, <laughs> much like Deborah. <laughs> yeah, right. I fell down, down, down as the cliff went higher, <laughs> and it hurt, hurt, hurt. <laughs> and I was buried. The in rocks below. <laughs> Unconsecrated grief. Nudge that in there. Yeah, the flashbacks are great in this episode. This is a, yeah. this is a solid episode, but like you said, this isn't like a samurai level episode. It's just no, but it's, it but should be. This it is should so. Be. Frankly, I'm convinced this episode should be better than the samurai. Oh, it should be. This it should be should, the like, best Highlander episode. Maybe it like, should be superior to it. Yeah, and it just doesn't. Yeah, just get somehow there. there's just a, like little things that it just doesn't work. Yeah, I don't really like Deborah that much. Debs. Debs. Yeah, I kind of wish that her death had been a little different. The yeah. only reason she dies the way she dies, I would say, is because they needed a reason why Matt couldn't find her grave. That's the reason they right. do it. I wish there had been another explanation because, again, this like whole like hostage-taking thing is unpleasant and yeah. like does not make me feel warmly about this character right like i wish it was like his banishment meant they couldn't be together or like if you could echo or call back that yeah the reference in highlander one where like his girlfriend thinks he's a monster afterwards right. like he then that's a lot better yeah like he gets banished and she rejects him now and gives him back the bracelet gives him back the bracelet but mac is like you know what like it doesn't matter like i will still love you forever like even if you can't understand this yeah i would have liked that better yeah and Personally. they could have just explained him not being able to find the grave i maybe mean he doesn't even know where maybe he doesn't know where it is right and yeah. like the priest or, mentions you know. it's like do we have any more of these records like i feel like we're losing track of graves and it's like maybe it's just like just explain it away that way like some of these have been here so long we don't really have records of where these plots are or right. mm. what i said wouldn't work because if she gave him back the bracelet uh. it wouldn't have been grave robbed but you know what i mean something it needs to be sure. workshopped a little yeah. but you know i'd like the idea if she lived long enough to not be comfortable with his transformation yeah right i don't buy like him regretting killing robert that much because robert's such a piece of shit like I, robert and rachel are both like they i feel like they both come off too strong as yeah negative yeah. it might have been nice if like robert's father also like egged him on yeah. you need to defend your honor Ooh, that would have been good right like something to to make them both a little more unwilling whereas like Ro robert does come on too strong yeah but i i mean i still buy into mac feeling guilty because he's like a young guy he killed his like he killed a guy who was his friend or maybe even if we just saw a, a shot of robert and mcleod being close so yeah. you like had some reason to buy into the character other than he's a real cock yeah <laughs> Why is Joe here? Excuse me, cock. Well, that's that's another cuck. weird. Like Joe is pretty superfluous, and it's kind of only because Jim Burns at the end of season Wanted three was like, yeah. "Come on, let me go too. I want to make me part of this." And they were like, uh, "All right, sure." So I agree. In the context of this episode, we are about to talk about Brothers in Arms next, which is a Joe centric episode. Right. Right. I don't want to spill the beans too much on our coverage of that one. But I think this episode does a lot to show like a bond and a friendship between Mac and Joe, yeah. which makes the events of the subsequent episode land more. Definitely. I tend to think. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I would agree with that. That's a good point. In, in that sense, I'm on board with yeah, it. Yeah, it helps. Like, it serves the next episode better than it serves this episode. And also, like, it's nice, I guess, to finally see Joe doing his fucking job. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I'm not, like, super, like, opposed to Joe being in this episode. Like, I don't think he hurts this episode. It's no, just, like, not at all. He doesn't play any sort of crucial role. Like, yeah. the, the most he does is kind of act as a sounding board for that's Mac. Exa that's exactly why he's Just there. to so tell him have, a story. Yeah. But maybe if Joe wasn't here, we wouldn't get those voiceovers. Because I feel like that's what the voiceover is. It's like you're hearing Mac tell Joe the story. 
story. Yeah, and that's mm. and I'm that like, is yeah, I don't like my it. least favorite part of this episode is those voiceovers like really short circuit the thing for me. Short circuit too. Lost in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I just talked for a long time. What else you got? I, I agree with a lot of that. Like I I like the bones of this episode, but it's you know it just somehow is missing the mark, and it's a lot of tiny little things I think that add up to just it not landing right. Yeah, um, or feeling right. One thing I like about this story, too, is it's a pretty simplistic story. Like, these aren't some of the callous stories where it's, like, all this, like, there's a lot of mechanics and, like, we've got to get this person here and this person there and, like, work out, like, there's a big scheme and a plot. Like, this is an emotionally driven episode, What's which the, I it's like. like. In the callous cycle, they are straight up schemes. Like, yeah. they are complex plans. Like, here, everyone's motivation is very, like, simple. It's yeah. like, and it's, there's good bones to get people from place, or good mechanical reasons to get people from place to place. It's like, yeah. Max sees something he recognizes and wants to take it back. Yeah. The, the only, like, mechanical thing we yeah. didn't get in this episode is Mac not being incarcerated anymore. We're like, how does he get out? And it's like, they obviously needed him not to be arrested anymore. But, like, that's the only thing that doesn't make sense. Like, it's, it's nice to have a story where, like, you're not forced to pick it apart. Like, it's all yeah. straight ahead. The, like you said, the reasons they give people to be places and do things are clear-cut. And, like, frankly, I think part of the thing that's jarring about that is just the juxtaposition of cop finding his sword and a character going, it's about murder. <laughs> to the next time we see Mac, he's playing fucking darts. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, all right, this worked out. <laughs> like, how it, neat. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that, like, this is a better Highlander 3 than it Highlander is. 3 was. Well, it takes the single good part in Highlander 3 yeah. and builds an episode, of a very solid episode around it. Right. Like, we criticized Highlander 3, like, the mechanics of Highlander, like, they never, the motivations were never there for characters to, like, do certain things. They were just, like, scenes stuck in an order. Whereas this, like, there's actual consequences. Like, yeah. Highlander 3 is a movie of... End of ends. And then, exactly. Yeah. And then this happens. And then this happens. Where this is an episode that is because of, you know, like this. Therefore. therefore this. Therefore that. Like, everything le- is consequential, which is good. Also, one side note that I don't know how much we've talked about. You know, we talked about, like, the lore building. But there's also, like, the character origins of... Like, Mac's sense of honor and, like, the way Mac behaves and treats challenges. Like, Mm -hmm. you see the origins of that in this story. Like, you see why Mac is the way he is about these things and, like, has these sensibilities that we often question. Like, it's good seeing them. It's like, oh, that's why you are the way you are. And, like, we get invited into your world. Good stuff. Well, how about we rate this? Kyle! How many Scottish Claymores would you give this? You know what? I'm giving this, and this is aggressive, I'm giving this a gentleman's four. I think this episode has some weaknesses that stop it from landing the way I want it to, but it's just got, like, fantastic production value. We get to see a brand new place with some, actually, for AP's directorial debut, he managed to get some pretty good, fairly striking shots mm-hmm. yeah. goosed out of this thing. Yeah. It had me at the father's sword thing. Yeah, I was like, oh, I know where this is going, and I am ready to take this ride. I mean, I this is essential viewing yeah absolutely amen how many blackbirds in the singing in the dead of night would you give this <laughs> are those the are those the ravens yes yeah. yep oh okay no all right scratch it kyle what do you got <laughs> <laughs> how many uh how many times does this episode make you a cuckold <laughs> <laughs> oh oh for talking about that I, i'm gonna say 3.5 instances of me being cucked cucked <laughs> Okay, so that then that point five time, like he was there, but like jumped out the window right yeah. before he got in. Yeah, I like 
turned the key and just saw his his butt (laughs) (laughs) as he jumped out the window yeah this should be a bigger home run than it is and just the things that i don't like about it i hate the villain's performance it really takes me out and i spent a lot of time just kind of like being like i wish they didn't cast this person (laughs) but otherwise it's an awesome episode it has all the ingredients that we like about highlander it does just kind of misses the mark a little bit i will give this uh four we heavies i think it's yeah like we said it's got the bones great mythology lore building it's all there but yeah it's just like maybe technically a little flawed and it's like the villain is really the weakest part and hurts the whole episode i think which is a bummer also you know what i think is pretty cool in the special features they show some like behind the scenes of like the directing of the fight mm-hmm. it's Yo, like intense. intense like adrian paul is like he's like do it again do it again do it like, again, get, do get, it pick, again. Pick, pick it up go 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 like he knows exactly what he wants and he's like fast and furiously direct directing this and acting mm-hmm. and fighting he's like you gotta move the camera over there it's like the fire in the background this way like do this and that it's kind of cool to, to see him yeah. and also like having met him now a couple times like and hearing people like about him being a perfectionist like you can see that and everyone said like that he was extremely well prepared he mm-hmm. you know even talked to the composer about what he wanted the music mm-hmm. to be like in this episode which is something that roger said no other directors ever did like yeah but he wanted to be involved in like the whole process so and he was like how many times can you give me bonnie Plum? yeah <laughs> i want to do that as many times as possible see that's how many what... times can we put this in See, that's that's what it should have been, is how many playings of Bonnie Portmore in this episode. Oh, that's good. That's a good. <laughs> Save that for next time. Highlander. Right. That's right. Oh, well, this is... Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. This has been a lot of fun talking about this episode. It's going to be back into the series. And yeah. it starts off with a very solid mm-hmm. offering. Oh, like, definitely. You know, if, I hadn't, if it had been a long summer break and I hadn't seen any Highlander and it Ooh. comes back with this one... With this? Yeah. Be like, oh, I'm like, shit. I'm like, yeah, bring it on, baby. Mm-hmm. Give me season four. Yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So we will be back next week covering episode two of season four, Band of Brothers, which is... Nope. Brothers in Arms. Shit. Band of Brothers (laughs) Brothers in Arms. arms. I can't believe I said that. Whatever. It's very similar. Yeah, it is. It's going to be great talking about that one. Uh, So join us next week. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Yeah, Max says he's looking for a grave. Right. And then we get this flat back. So, flat back? Flat back. (laughs) 